Our appointed reading for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany comes from the Old Testament reading of Isaiah chapter 58, verses 3 through 9a. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? The Lord replies, Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourselves from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. As mentioned before, the text for our lesson for the fifth Sunday after Epiphany is the Old Testament reading of Isaiah that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, Here I Am. The other day, there was a conversation between two people talking about counseling. There was an interest and desire between them to help people who might be grieving and need someone to talk to or just come alongside them to be an understanding ear in the midst of difficult situations. As they talked, one confessed. It takes time for me to open up to a counselor. By the time I find the right one, they always seem to retire. It's hard to talk to people about things that trouble us, and people who say things similar to this are pretty much the norm rather than the exception to the rule. Laying yourself bare is hard to do, because it can be a little uncomfortable, sometimes embarrassing, and even terrifying. We don't want anyone to know what is going on deep down in the darkness of our hearts, so we keep it there most of the time until we can't anymore. Then we have to tell someone, anyone, or we just might explode. If you struggle like this, I encourage you to consider Stephen's ministers at church who confidentially and willingly come alongside to hear you so you don't have to struggle alone. Then some are different. They don't think there's anything to struggle with at all. They're not doing anything wrong. It's everyone else that is the problem. Sometimes it is pure arrogance ignorance, or indifference to the problems their sinful hearts are transmitting through their words 
and actions. And even if they're not really hurting anyone, after all, most of us are willing to tolerate a pretty significant amount of rudeness, incompetence, and dereliction of duty, we typically will cover for each other. But God does not see their sin as bearable or useful at all. Now, while the first account is innocent enough, and the second account is tolerable enough, both conditions tend to be hidden, covered up, and kept from the light of day. Whether by commission or omission, neither party wants the light to shine on that all-too-real part of our hearts. Led to our own devices, without forensic intervention, we cannot help ourselves from rushing down the path that leads to destruction. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah speaks to people that are certain something else must be the problem because they have checked all the right boxes and their actions are unimpeachable. They fasted. They humbled themselves according to the rites handed down to them in Leviticus 16 and 23. They were certain of it. And yet they wondered why God didn't acknowledge their actions. <laughs> We've all been there, right? Whether it is as a parent, a co-worker, a church volunteer, or any other project we threw our heart, mind, and soul into. After it was all said and done, after all the time we put in, nobody seemed to appreciate it, at least not to the degree we felt they should. Sometimes we can laugh about it, especially when someone does say how great the project, plan, or change was, and nobody knows you did it. Sometimes we are just a little irritated that everyone showed up and enjoyed the program and showed very little gratitude for the untold hours that went into the success of the occasion or the professionalism with which it was accomplished. Sometimes we are downright hurt and moved to tears by the disregard for sacrifices we made that improved others' lives substantially and kept them in the security they had grown accustomed to, but understand little of the expense it took to make them that comfortable to begin with. When we're hurt like that, sometimes we cry out to God, Why? Why have you not regarded me? Well, God is regarding you, and he is regarding them, too but not the way we want him to, rather the way we need him to. Why do we do what we do? Sometimes it is just plainly for money. Some become doctors, lawyers, or some other high-class profession because it would make mom proud and make them money. They went into miserable careers, not doing what they love because their love of money brought a perceived notion of prosperity and with that, security. And how many have married into loveless and miserable marriages for that same reason? Oh, there is security, but the mutual companionship, help and support is missing and pain and isolation leading to divorce 
is imminent. Sometimes we do what we do for attention and adulation. We want the community award and the recognition that lands us on the front cover of the social magazines. We need the resume builders. Sometimes we just want everyone to think we are as important as we think we are. In some small, narcissistic way, we are little idols unto ourselves and frequently fail to live up even to our own expectations. Sometimes we do what we do because someone told us to. The speed limit is 30 miles an hour, and I saw the local police setting up a speed trap the other day, so I better go the speed limit just in case they are there again. I got to get to work by 8. If I'm late too many times, they might dock my pay. Well, I better make sure I show up at my kid's game. I don't want to be the parent that everyone says never comes and never does anything. Mom and dad said, go to church, give 10%, volunteer to help with the bake sale, and make sure you do your part when it's campus cleanup day. We don't drive the speed limit because it's safer for the children. We don't get to work early because of our joy and our vocation. We don't watch our kids because we love them. And we don't participate in church because we can't wait to see our Savior again and just give back a little of everything he gave to us. We do what we do, not because we want to, love to, or believe but because it is the box we check in order to get the ends by whatever means we'll achieve it. What is fascinating in our world today is how most of us do at least one, some, or even all of these. And then just like the sons and daughters of Adam in Isaiah's prophecy today, we wonder why God took no notice of this upstanding and commendable behavior. Ooh, I know. I don't like the light shown on my true motivations either. And it's really horrible when we do all these things to truly advance our own pleasure or to coerce others or we quarrel and complain that we did it at all. Dear brothers and sisters, Jesus comes to all of us who justly suffer for our actions and promises redemption. Jesus shows us the nakedness of our sins and replaces it with transparency and honesty that we can confess with integrity. Jesus breaks the chains that we wrap around ourselves with pride and arrogance and an economy of indifference. Jesus has our back, pushing us to the Father as acceptable in his sight when we know deep down we deserve no such grace. And Jesus did that because he was pushed, shoved, and forced by soldiers from behind all the way to Golgotha. Then he was bound there and nailed to the cross where he would not escape the death we deserved. Then he was lifted up naked and ashamed for the nakedly shameful acts of rebellion we commit every day. When we cry out to God, why haven't you regarded me? This is the God we cry out to. And this is the God that remained there until all was finished for all we had done wrong 
to make us right. So the yoke of sin may indeed feel tight on your shoulders. The shame of your exposed heart may indeed terrify you. The acts of righteousness done with sinful motivation may force you to lie in the bed of your own making. But Jesus doesn't care about your sins. He forgives them. And when the burden of all these sins becomes so full in your heart, you just have to tell someone, or you just might explode. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen. Special thanks to Rosalie Onditch for listening in with me today as we recorded with her in her room in her nursing home at the Luther Haven in Oviedo, Florida. Mm-hmm.